the Simple Pen Podcast, Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Simple Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All. I'm the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media. We're a Pinterest management company based out of Portland, Oregon. But I also have the podcast here and the blog to help you DIY your Pinterest marketing. Today, I have my creative director, Tina, and we're going to be talking about A-B testing Pinterest images. And there's a lot of questions around how to A-B test. There's also a lot of myths or kind of this willy-nilly information that send people down a crazy path where they become frustrated. So what I asked Tina to do was come on and talk about why, how promoted versus organic, all of everything that you would need to know to A-B test your images on Pinterest. So Tina, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you. Hey, it is good to be here and actually hear your voice like as opposed to a Slack thread. This is pretty great. I know. I know. That's so true. And I realized like I've mentioned you a lot on the podcast. So actually now you get to be on the podcast, which is so fun. Because as everybody should know, and I've mentioned it, if you've been a longtime listener, or if you're a new listener, um, you should know that I am terrible at images. It is not my skill set. And very quickly early on, I learned that. So if you are new at Pinterest, new at content creation or blogging, and you feel like you are swimming upstream when it comes to images, I want to affirm that feeling and say that it's time for you to hire somebody because you will never, I won't say you'll never. So there's there's always an opportunity, but I don't have an artistic component to myself. But I mean, if I can like organize and administrate and like lead a team, yes, but create a Pinterest image, no way. So and I love that because why push yourself right into something you're not good at? Just like I can't honestly, I love to write, but my grammar is just horrible. Ask Elisa, it's really bad. It makes like I, I send her a post and I'm like, can you please look at this? Um, and it always it's just it's just not my thing. So we all have our strengths. It's just work within those, right? Yes, totally. And okay, so you've been with Simple Pin. I want to say it's a little over a year, right? Yeah, we have an anniversary. I know we really do. It's so fun. And Tina does all the images for um, all of the Simple Pin. She does everything image wise for Simple Pin. So if you see an image, small graphic, um, anything. Tina's done it. She does all my slides for me for my presentations because those are actually bad too if I try to do them and they're filled with like bullet points and we don't like to do a lot of bullet points. So she does all of that. And the reason I think actually did we do... Tina also contributed to to the workshops we did a year ago. And when she did that workshop, she touched a little bit on A-B testing. But what I loved is that Tina has a lot of experience in e-commerce and showcasing products, which is very hard to do on Pinterest. So tell us a little bit of your story and how you got started even in doing images. Yeah, sure. So I think the last time we did a podcast together. Um, I was still working for a company named Shopswell, which was an e-commerce startup. And it was all about shopping, which was a lot of fun. And I don't know, I'm kind of addicted to startups. I think the best thing about startups is that, or at least the ones I've been privileged to work with, is that they're kind of in the learning 
stage of business development. And so there's just a ton of testing that goes on, um, or at least the people that I've worked with have empowered that. And, and I love it. It's kind of like being back in school and you brainstorm and you have this little hypothesis. It's just what a great way to learn. And so um, with Shopswell, I had a huge budget. You know, I had like five figures a month to work with, with promoted pins. And one of the biggest things we did when it came to that spend was A-B testing. We would create, you know, five, 10, 15 images for each list that we had, or we would call it a lander in a different, when it looked in a different place. But um, all of those things, we would test elements, the sizes, the colors, the lengths. And when we did that enough, it, it equaled high conversion rates. So it was pretty fantastic. That's right. And we, I remember now, so you're jogging my memory. We talked about all this in episode 28. So if you guys want to go back and hear that initial story with Tina, as we talk about Pinterest strategy for e-commerce startups, make sure you listen to that. So sorry to interrupt you there, but I just had to remember to loop back around to that. No, it's good. I mean, I think what I love about A-B testing and, and you and I have chatted about it because we do it, we do it for simple pin, um, is that by creating multiple images for each post, we get more mileage out of our content. And I just, I mean, I don't know a brand, a blogger, or anybody who doesn't want that. I, you, I think you had mentioned, was it this week, you had an email that went out and how you had updated your content, your links, links and your opt-ins, and you like, what did it change from three to four to 10 to 15 opt-ins by doing Yes. It did. Yeah, totally. And a lot of, and before I kind of follow up on that, I will say a lot of people wonder how many images you should have per post. And I don't know about you, but we've always had between two and three. Would you say there's a magic number for how many different images you should have per post? That's an excellent question. Uh, I really think I would do a minimum of two to three. And okay. and it's interesting because a lot of it comes down to your analytics. I mean, you can if a post isn't working, my answer is A/B test an image. <laughs> if your post is okay. working and you want more mileage, A/B test an image because maybe you can get more out of it. So, um, mm-hmm. but these by testing these different images, we get to discern design trends that actually resonate with our followers. So maybe we have a style that we love, but maybe our followers hate it or it just doesn't click with them. And so A-B testing posts that are good, that are bad, just it's always a smart decision. Yeah, that the one that I mentioned in the email this week was I have this one post. It's my only viral post that I have had on Simple Pin so far. And it's how to clean up your Pinterest boards. And when I initially posted, I had a picture of myself kind of faded in the background. I was on the computer with the text overlay. Well, we created a special opt-in for that. It's a checklist of how to clean up your Pinterest boards because we realized it was getting so much traffic pretty quickly. Like it it took off probably within two months, if not sooner. And we created a new image where we took a picture of the download and that took off even more than the first one. And that continues. Actually, this week is when I looked into my Google Analytics and I found that all top 10 pin links bringing traffic to my site were that same image. That old initial image, it, I don't even find it anymore. It is so I awesome. mean, and, you know, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It is. And it just, it just goes to show that, I mean, that was a popular post for, for you to begin with, but your image mattered. And that, I think that's the point of this entire podcast is that, you know, especially this time of year, New Year's resolutions, people are thinking about updating everything. They're excited about their business goals for the year. And so we think about content and links, but it's really easy to overlook the importance of switching out images. 
Yeah, definitely. I had two consults this last week with people who were really looking to up their game in 2018 on Pinterest. And one of the first things I went to was, have you worked on your images? And they were kind of all over the map a little bit. They really didn't have a lot of branding or a consistent look to them. And it was kind of the last place their mind was going. They were kind of surprised when I suggested, how about you go back and update some of your images, maybe even for your top posts or ones that are like second tier posts that they're getting some traffic, but you'd like them to go even further. And it was like this aha moment for them that, oh, I didn't even think about that. Because our first idea when it comes to Pinterest strategy and how to up your game is like, how many pins per day? What program are you using? Keywords. But images are the only thing that people see in their home feed, right? Like they're scrolling through super fast. What's going to catch their eye first? The image. So with that said, how do we even begin to A-B test? So say um, you're talking to this person that I was talking to this week, and I've just told them they need to change their images or they need to A-B test. What is going to be the place that you would start? Where is going to be the, that? I'm not saying that right. You get what I'm saying. No, I know. Where would you start? Where would we start? No, um, I think the most important thing to take away from this podcast, if you decide to A-B test and I just drill it in your head, it's like your little mantra over and over again, resist the urge to test more than one element at a time. That's yes. really important because I mean, I even do it. I get sucked in. I'm like, oh, well, I'm creating this new image and now I hate my description. So let me just fix that at the same time. But <laughs> then we're not getting true feedback. So whatever Mm -hmm. you decide to test, you know, and you can test, just remember that you have time. So you can test all the elements, just not at one, you know, not at one given time. So you can, you can swap out some of the things that I like to A-B test is the actual background image that you're using, um, colors and fonts and fonts can make a huge difference. The colors, uh, your text on image, I think is one of the ones that I tend to swap out a lot. Um, I have a really good example of this. It just happened recently. So I'm really excited to be able to share it with you on the podcast. But um, one of the e-commerce sites that I work for right now, I manage their promoted pins. And you know, I'm looking at the analytics and I noticed that one of the phrase keywords not to lose everybody here. I don't want to make it too complicated, but one of the no, phrase, totally fine. phrase keywords that was leading to checkout conversions, which is, you know, what we all want was the term, the, the phrase focus. And so I thought, man, I mean, the checkout conversions, it was crazy that the, that, that keyword was converting. And so I thought, well, the funny thing is we don't have the word focus on the image <laughs> and yet mm. that's what people want. So we took, mm-hmm. I took the, it's the exact same image, same colors, same fonts, but the term on the image was become remarkable and we changed it to find your focus. And oh. that simple test, um, I checked this morning, it's been about two weeks. The con- checkout conversions are up by 33%. What? That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, and and that just shows the role of analytics as well. And in this, you know, sometimes we have ideas of what we want to test, but um, we can go into analytics and see a post is trending, a post is tanking, keywords are trending, and that can kind of give us the inspiration that we need as to where we should start with A-B testing. Yeah, that is really smart because a lot of people too, when I'm talking to them in consults, I'll say, have you looked at your Google Analytics? Do you know your top 10 pins that are driving the most traffic? Do you know where the Pinterest traffic is coming from? And they're like, no. So I would say it's really, really important not to check your Google Analytics all the time. Like, Don't be obsessive compulsive about it, but at least once a week, if not 
for sure once a month. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I know it makes our heads hurt. It really does in the beginning. I'm not <laughs> I'm such a creative girl that um I worked with Elisa in the past and oh my gosh, she's just like a numbers guru. She's gonna hate that I use that term, but I'm gonna do it. And um <laughs> and it was always an important part of our structure. And I'm happy that she pushed me out of my comfort zone with that because it just looking at your analytics, being able to understand them is just a vital, vital part of all all of your business model for sure. Yeah. So size of images has been really big these days because we saw Pinterest say in their recent creative guide that they want you to definitely keep a ratio of two to three. Um, Their suggestion was 600 to 900 or... And if you're going to do that, don't go longer than 1500. And they said like, it'll get cut, it'll get cut off at 1500. So I've been getting all these questions about, well, do we start doing square images like Instagram? Do we keep our text towards the top? Do we change any of our older images? Do we wipe out those long images? There's just so many questions result that people are asking as we're shifting from these very long pins to potentially square pins. What's your thoughts on sizing? All right. I don't want to start a war, but I am not a fan <laughs> of the square pins. Maybe it's I'm not either. old habits die hard. Um, I think I kind of tend to be with you in that like, I like to wait to see patterns before I decide to shift an entire structure. And I don't see enough of a shift yet. I mean, you know, Pinterest, it's we love yeah. them, but we also hate them because they change yes. things so frequently and they have zero follow through. So yes, I would exactly. like to say, give me some time. I will I will say this is where A-B testing is important because we've even done it for sim- simple pin clients. Um, like for instance, a good example is recipe pins. I feel like those are in a world of their own. They talk about pins getting cut off and, and I do stay within the, you know, the 1500 and whatever it is, 60 pixels or whatever to not get cut off. But I'm, but when you try to do the traditional, like the 735 by 1200 for a recipe pin, it does not trend like those longer pins do. They just don't. And again, that's where I think it's really important to create both to look at to look at what's what's trending and to continue to create more of what your what your users, your followers want. Well, I think too with size, especially as it relates for food bloggers, is some I've seen some people just do the 735 by 1100, that very single image without text, and then doing an image that's longer with text. That's a good way to test it too, especially as it's in your post to see what people are pinning. You know, I mean, that's a huge indicator is um, when people hop onto my site or they come from Pinterest to my site, what is it that, what image grabs them that they're sharing? And that can be a good indicator as well if you're trying to figure out the difference between the two, if you're a food blogger. Yeah. And good catch on like me saying 1200 there and you turning it back to the 1100. Clearly I'm not a numbers <laughs> girl. <laughs> I do really totally the sizes, I promise. Um, yeah, but- no. Well, and I think what's important with that too is I think some people get so caught up in the exact dimensions. I mean, like I've had people kind of say like, is it 1200 or 1100 or where I'm going to be? I just think people, you need to know it's not a deal breaker and it's not factored into their algorithm. Like they don't look at images and go wrong size. eh, Like we're not going to show you in the search feed or in the smart feed. Like they really, we're really just looking for what is the image that are going to get people hooked in. You know, oftentimes I say the, the terms like it's billboard advertising. 
because, you know, you're driving by, you're thumbing by on your phone, you have those, I wouldn't even say it's three seconds. I would say it's like 1.5 seconds to really grab their attention. What are you going to do with that 1.5 seconds? Because people who are billboard advertisers know you can catch me if I'm at a stoplight and I might read a little bit more, but if I'm driving on a highway, you really don't have much time. So I've actually started paying attention to billboards, which is kind of funny to see what they're putting on there and what their images are. It's really interesting. So little tidbit. There's incredible value in what you just mentioned. And I hadn't thought about this before. It's why these podcasts are fun because they can go in different directions. But um, we can get so hung up, like we want things to fit into a box. And that can be so dangerous because we even do it, we compare to others, you know, this is working for them. So it's going to work for me. This is just it. Um, And I think that there's a danger too that when we try to, or at least I find this being creative, Um, when I feel like I'm too structured, the creativity doesn't flow. And so it's really important to give yourself the space, I think, to, to test and to learn and to be willing to go with that, even if it's not what you initially thought should happen. Cause it's, it's really about giving your followers, um, giving your buyer persona what they want. It's really not about us. It shouldn't be about us. Mm -hmm. So true. And yeah, I do love podcasts because they can go on a little bit of a tangent. But I think this is a good tangent and reminder as people are trying to figure out what works for them, because you have to let your buyer or your clicker, if we're going to call them their pinner, you have to let them lead where you're going. And I find that people who are the most successful with their strategy end up going down those roads. And it might not always match up what you want, right? Like you, maybe as you're starting out, especially as you're a blogger, like you have this big, big, big focus and you're kind of like throwing darts a little bit to see, okay, what's going to resonate with them? Where are they going to go? And once they do start hooking onto those things, go with them, continue to create more of that. And that's where we have seen in our clients this super great return over time when we see where it is the clicks are happening, where they're going, what the images are. And that doesn't that's doesn't come from a Facebook group and somebody sharing an, a picture of their graph. And that's what I, I'm always leery of. I call them the graph posts because graph posts are one of those things where people get so hooked in with this graph that goes up super high and they're ready to just devour any of the information that people are giving them. But what that doesn't take into consideration is your people. Your This is their people and what their people are liking. And if you go with their route, their images, pattern, structure, size, whatever, then you are you're negating what your people are telling you. And that's what I've always loved about Pinterest marketing and how it is so unique for each person, which makes kind of teaching Pinterest marketing a little bit frustrating because you have to give people just enough tools for them to run with it because you kind of can't do it all for them unless you know, you're know you managing it for them. But I think this is just a good reminder that keep your head focused on what's working for you instead of other people. Yeah, it's 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 vital. It's vital for our own well-being as humans and it's vital in marketing. You can't go wrong. <laughs> yes, totally. Can't go wrong. Okay, I'm, we digress. I know. Back. So one of the cool things that you put um, in the outline as we're reading through is you said monkey wrench and Pinterest had a recent blog post about changing descriptions for better SEO. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so this this really freaked me out. I I saw this a couple of weeks. So I want to, if it's okay with you, I just want to read 
exact excerpt excerpt here from a blog post. So Pinterest posted this blog post and they mentioned one of the tips to to being successful. They said, it's okay to have multiple pins that lead to the same webpage. Great. A-B testing. They said, in fact, it can be beneficial to save a variety of images that might appeal to different types of pinners. I was like, good, we're on the same page. Then they say, just make sure to add unique descriptions that are specific to each pin. It'll improve your SEO. And I had one of those moments where I could feel like all the blood drain out of my head. And I was like, what are they talking about? And mm-hmm. so I do what I always do. We were joking about this before when we were chatting before the podcast. I ping Elisa and I'm like, okay, talk me off a cliff. Because <laughs> yeah. I have always thought that the only way to get true, you know, analytics or feedback from your A-B testing is to keep the elements the same. But am I hurting my SEO? And Elisa's comment was like, I'm in a meeting and I really have to think about that. So give me a minute. But she did. She's good. <laughs> she did get back to me. But You know, and we actually um, hopped on and and chatted for a while about it and kind of worked out this formula that I just started to use. I have to give credit to her because it was mainly her idea. But she basically said, it's going to sound confusing at first, but we're going to refer to two different things. Pin image A, pin image B, description one, description two. So what Elisa said is... You do want to change your descriptions for SEO and Pinterest is saying it. We might as well listen to them. It makes sense. It really does. But we still want to be able to get get that feedback. And so she said what she would do is pin image A with description one and then pin, pin image B with description two and then pin image A with description two and image B with description two. So you really just have two descriptions and two pins in this model. Of course, it wouldn't have to be exactly like that, but you're just swapping them with each one so that you can get true feedback. Um, you know, by even though you're testing multiple elements, you can still get the feedback that you need without sacrificing these SEO rankings. Yeah, that's really. And for those of you who are like listening, like half listening because you're doing something else or you're driving or you're cooking or working, we'll put a little diagram in the post for you so you can see this because I like diagrams so I can see what goes to what. And so go to simplepinmedia.com slash 86 and we'll have the link to that blog post and then we'll have this structure for you so you can see it. But I think that's super smart because then you can you have you've got two and two, right? So you're not going pin A with a random description, pin B with a random description, then maybe pin C with a random description. You're still keeping the A B test element as a part of it. Yeah, you're still keeping that structure, which is what we need to get, you know, to get the the true and the meaningful feedback. Yes, very, very good point. Okay, so now that we have the structure of how we would A-B test, we want to, first and foremost, always, always remember to don't test more than one element at one time. So if you're going to test colors and fonts, test that. Background image, test that. And do it a little bit at a time. The hard thing about this is that it does take some patience, like any good Pinterest marketer will tell you, Pinterest takes patience. But it also um, does take paying attention. So however you want to track that. I don't know if, Tina, do you have a specific method or a place that you track like in a Excel or Google Sheet? I do. I have Google Sheets. That's funny. I didn't even put this in the outline. But I am like such a list maker. It makes me so happy. Um, and so for specific clients, I'll have it in there. When we started the task, what was going on? When I checked in analytics, what the feedback was? And it's all in there in a sheet so I can keep it straight. Okay. Yeah. For those of you listening who want to do this on your own, I always suggest starting out super duper simple and 
giving yourself a time frame. Like I'm all about setting the timer on my phone when it comes to certain things. I set it on my phone when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to email. When you're doing this testing or digging into analytics, give yourself a time, maybe 30 minutes. And at that point, be done and roll it over to the next day. And the reason I do that is just because there are other things in your business that you need to pay attention to. So you just always want to put a little stopgap, hard stop in your day for these things. So you don't go down a black hole. Because for some of you who are analytical and list building, you can go down a black hole with this. So that's my little tip for you. So. I didn't know you do that, but I love that you do because each day when I write out my to-do list, it's like a little timeline. I have numbers next to it, 1030 this, 1130 this. And I just try to, I mean, again, we're saying you don't want to be so structured that you lose your creative flow. If you're in the flow, it's really hard to switch gears, which, but I do the same thing because it is true. I mean, you can only, you can only spend so much time on every, every part of your business. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're a solopreneur and you don't really have somebody who's working for you, you can get lost in a lot of these. So yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of time blocking for sure. And timers for me sometimes come in handy when I don't have clear time blocks. So doing that with Pinterest marketing, because Pinterest marketing is just one element of your business. It can definitely release a lot of other things. But if we're spending 90% of your day on Pinterest marketing, then that's not a good use of your time, which a future episode we're going to record is KPIs, like key performance indicators of Pinterest. And so we'll talk a little bit about that in that episode. It's a little teaser there. So the next thing we're going to jump to is promoted pins versus organic. And what we've been talking about up until this point is really an organic testing. But now we're going to jump a little bit to talking about the differences between that promoted and organic. So tell me a little bit about the benefits of testing both organic and promote it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it is, I test both. Um, I do organic and promoted, but my approach and my goals vary a little bit with, with each one. Um, so for organic, there's a lot of unknowns with organic when we're testing because there's the algorithm and, you know, if your pin gets picked up somewhere in a, in a trending feed, well, then it's going to spike and it's going to be hard to tell if it was because of the image or if it just got picked up by, by one specific person. Um, you know, whereas with promoted pins, you have a little more control over where your pin shows up and in front of which audiences. And so, and the other thing about promoted, not to like, you know, continue to talk about promoted as being better because it's not better, but it is more controlled and you get more, you get more data a lot quickly, more quickly because you're paying for those views. So you don't have to wait months to get these impressions. You can get them in a couple of weeks. So it, it makes it easier to just learn to move forward to apply it and to benefit from it. Right, right. Totally. I agree. I love I love that you can both promote it and organic are both great strategies on Pinterest. Yeah, I will say, and I know uh, I know how you feel about UTMs, but... <laughs> I'm starting to love them. I'm okay. starting to. Can you, first, before you go in, can you explain what UTMs are for those who don't know? Yeah, I mean, kind of a layman's terms, UTM is, it's essentially just a custom URL that we can use to track individual pieces of content. You can track them by the source or the medium, you know, where they come, the campaign, or in this case, we would be using a UTM to be able to differentiate and track different images. Okay, got it. So how would you use them here? Like what's the, what's the benefit to using them with A-B testing? How does it help? Well, especially when it comes to organic, I, well, let me just say, I'm kind of a nerd girl. So UTMs for me are like living and breathing. <laughs> so there is nothing, when I work for a client, there is nothing that leaves my computer 
and goes onto Pinterest, you know, manually without having a UTM. Um, and I'll explain before we end the podcast what my workflow looks like. But I I tag everything. When I worked at Shopswell, um, the guy that I worked for is so great. His name was Mark. And he'd be like, bag them and tag them. I mean, it's just what we did. Everything that went out that door had a tag on it. Um, and they take they take less than 30 seconds to make. They really do. So if you can put in this custom URL, then we were talking about organic and how there's all these unknowns. Well, those unknowns disappear because if they have a UTM on them, and they get picked up by someone, that UTM stays the same. Elisa and I tested this the other day because she's like, I don't know, do those UTMs change now? Mm. Pinterest gives you those different URLs for different yes. things. Okay, well, UTMs solve that problem because they stay exactly the same when being, well, we don't call it repinning anymore. When we, call, when we save, save. something, mm-hmm. stays, stays the same. And so when you go into your Google Analytics, you can look and you can see which image was getting those clicks and not only the clicks, but you know, were they staying on the page longer? Were they moving around more? You can learn so much and it's all attached to that image because of the UTM. I think this would be like gold information for anybody who's selling a product to see which product image really resonated with people and got them to click through. Like, I I think it would be good too with like bloggers, content creators, but those who are selling a product who want to know if it's resonating. Oh man, that would be amazing. Well, that's what we did at Shopswell. I mean, we had to because we had all these shopping lists and with all these images, you know, we didn't know which ones were were leading to the conversions. Back then, they didn't have really the the tracking that they did with the pixel on Pinterest either. But UTMs, like I said, they cut through all of that. You get real tangible results. Um, As opposed to just looking for trends, you get real hardcore data. Which would actually be really helpful for people who are running sponsored campaigns for brands. A lot of times, um, clients will come to us and say, we you know, pushed out this pin. What did you see from it? And that's very hard on something that was just pinned about a month ago. It's not going to show up anywhere in Pinterest analytics. And it's going to be really hard to find in Google analytics. So if you really want to go the extra distance for a brand, it, what? how long does it take to create a UTM code? Like two minutes? Not even 30 seconds. Yeah. Right. So yeah, take the extra 30 seconds just for you too to be able to see what your sponsored content did. Because then you could go back to the brand and say, I got this many clicks where nobody else is doing that. They're just kind of waiting for... Because a lot of um, our clients have run into that problem. And the only other option is to do a promoted pin. Because like you said, you can get information much quicker. Yeah, exactly. So it, it it kind of, if you're going to go organic, you have to have a UTM. You should have a UTM all the time. Me on my little soapbox there. But especially if you're doing organic, you definitely need those UTMs because it's, it's, it's important information. And it's that information that helps us to, to excel in our business. So it's, it's vital. It really is. I do have to share a quick story for my friend, Tiffany. Um, she does a blog, Eat at Home, and we're part of a peer mastermind. And she was sharing that somebody taught her about UTMs. And she's like, why didn't I know this before? These are so easy. And I have to I have to agree. I'm kind of the same way. I've been dragging my feet because it sounds like this big, huge thing. But we're going to make that a part of more of what we do here at Simple Pin for our cycle one, we have cycles at Simple Pin, not quarters. So in this first cycle, we're going to learn a lot. And Tiffany was so, or not Tiffany, but Tina was so gracious. And she created a little video for me and a guide because <laughs> she's like, I promise it's not hard. So I'm sharing that with my team today. So thank you. I don't for know that. if that was kind or if that was me being a control freak and being like, Kate, <laughs> no. listen. You have to do this. My 2018 business resolution is that you learn to love (laughs) (laughs) yams. 
I know. No, it's so good. And I, it's your gift. It's your gift. And so I am all about releasing my team to use their gifts to teach me great things. So there you go. You've taught me great things. Um, okay. So you put in the notes too. Like there is a promoted pin A-B test warning. So something you want to warn people about if they're going to A-B test in promoted pins. Yes, yes, yes. So um, Pinterest, it was so awesome. I can't even remember when it happened because there's been so many changes, but we all know they added in ad groups for us a while ago so we could better organize our campaigns. And I personally love ad groups. And that gave us kind of a great um, structure to be able to A-B test because we could add these multiple images right into that ad group. And in a perfect world, we could just monitor through the ad dashboard and see what they were doing, where the impressions were. It sounded perfect. It's not. Um, the Pinterest has even come out and said, now, I don't know if it's actually in print somewhere, but Elisa's rep, my rep, they have admitted multiple times that if you have more than three to five images in an ad group, it can cause all of your ads to just tank. What what it'll do essentially is latch onto one campaign and then you'll be getting like zero impressions, zero clicks on on your other image. And not because that image is no good. It's, It's a complete defect. They're aware of it. I don't know as though they have a solution right now. And so I still use the ad groups and I still sometimes put three to five images in there, but I watch them so carefully. I mean, when I say like, I'll check them daily after I start the ad group. And if I go in and I see that one has a click through rate of one and a half percent, the other one's at like 0.2 or something, which, you know, I'll pull it and separate them immediately. Um, I have one ad group right now where everything's over like one and a half. The click through rate is crazy. And I have another one where there's just no rhyme or reason. So just be super careful that if you're using the ad groups and thinking this solves all your problems when it comes to organizing your A-B testing, just don't, don't trust it. If your gut says that it's not trending for a specific reason and not just because you didn't do great with your images, pull it, put it in a whole separate ad group on its own. Okay, that's a good warning for those of you who are new to Pinterest marketing and your head's kind of spinning a little bit with this promoted pin talk. We have a promoted pin guide that we will link in the show notes so that you can get started. It's a very easy get started guide. Promoted pins, we are definitely in, we endorse them. We think they're great. So you can go check that out. And then when you're finally ready to start your campaigns, get them up and running, you can revisit this episode and listen to what Tina was referring to as far as the ad groups and the A-B testing. So just want to give that little caveat there for those who are new. Um, Okay, so then let's wrap it all up by you talking about workflow because a big thing that people come to me asking for is very simple streamlined steps that they can integrate into their business without a lot of extra work. So talk to me a little bit about how you do that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I work for a couple of different clients, but one of them, um, well, it's similar. They're very similar to what we do with Simple Pin, but they have they have a podcast that they have weekly, and so we always have a podcast specific. It's a template that we use for that podcast, and so what I love about a template like that is that the credibility is really high that people can start to recognize that and say, oh, this is this podcast and I know that there's relevant information here, so I can trust this. I'm going to click, love it. But there's not a whole lot of creativity there, and it's a little cold in some ways, you know, that it's just straightforward. It's, it almost looks more, it looks like marketing really essentially. Um, and so what I'll do is in addition to that image, I'll create a blog style, um, image. So something that looks a little more blogger esque, if there is such a word. So if it, you know, if something was on, 
um, deep breathing for um, controlling anxiety, then I'll go in and say 10 benefits of uh, box breathing for anxiety or something like that. So it's got a whole different feel to that creative. Now, in addition to that, we know that quotes are really big on Pinterest. We all like they're like our mood boards, right? We share these quotes that are what we stand behind. Um, with this particular company, they're 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 really into the whole philosophical well-being, um, and there are so many quotes out that out there um, for that. You know, it's um, basically an Oprah episode in that way. <laughs> so, right, that's, that's a good funny. way to describe yeah. it. Uh, and that's trending. I mean, that's we know that Pinterest said 2018 wellness is very big right now for mind, body, and soul, and um, and so for each podcast that we do, I try to find a relevant quote and create that into just a beautiful image. Um, they don't take as long to make, but I was telling you, Lisa, it's crazy. Like when I put these together, I'm like, oh, they'll just look nice. Maybe they'll get some clicks, but I don't put a whole lot of stock into them. But when I was looking at their um, Google Analytics the other day, I found that there's this one particular quote that talks about controlling the breath and it has checkout conversions on it and we're not promoting Whoa. it. So, wow. Yeah, I actually came back to the guy and I was like, uh, this is happening. Maybe we should put some money behind this. I mean, I yeah. didn't expect it. It's just another way to get more content. The more pins we have, the more odds that people will end up on our site, which we like. You throw enough mud at a wall, right? Something happens. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, when we said in the beginning, you said about numbers, on average, two to three per post, three for them. I'd actually even like to say it out loud, then you can hold me to it. I'd like to start creating a few more for simple pin too, or for looking at the trending ones and yeah. creating more. Um, I just think it's good business sense for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then do you, I, I didn't ask you this in the beginning. Um, and I know lots of people are probably wondering, but what's your favorite image creation tool? Oh, Canva. <laughs> okay. I, yep. It's hard though because I do. So I use Canva. I use Adobe Spark. I still use PicMonkey every once in a while. I use Adobe Illustrator. So I, I have a lot of tools in my handbag, but Canva for sure is where I spend like 90% of my time. Mm, and do you have the paid version that Canva at work? I do. It is so worth yeah. it for me. It's just... I've heard that. When you have different brands that you're working with too, you know, as a creativepreneur or something, and you've got it keeps it all organized. I've got each brand individually folders for their, their uploads. It's, it's just perfection. Mm, yeah, I agree. It's super easy to use. And for those of you who are bootstrapping your business, they have a free version that really does what you would need it to do for this period of time while you're trying to make money. And so go check Canva out for sure. And Tina, is there any last pieces of wisdom you'd like to leave people with? I guess if you didn't get the point yet, I just, images are so, so important. Like I just want to, I want to beg people to put the time into them. You spend all of this time. I mean, how much time does it take to write an epic blog post, right? I mean, hours put this together. And then I, I feel like we put all that effort and all of that energy into it. We have something really great to say. We have this amazing voice or this amazing product. And then we just go in and we're like we throw together an image in 10 minutes and just hope it'll stick. It just doesn't make sense. So especially with Pinterest, Pinterest is, is so, so visual that it just makes sense that you get a set aside time in your in your business um, structure to to make images, create images. Or, you know, what? if you're if you're like you, I mean, I love mm -hmm. you. You are so good as a business leader, excellent communicator. You're you're awesome. But if you feel like it's not your thing then just hire someone because what you're going to spend to hire someone in most cases 
you're going to reap back a hundredfold. Yes, that is a very, yeah, it's an investment. That's so wise. So, so wise. So with that, I will say if you want more information or diagrams, links to any of the articles that Tina talked about and to look at her workflow, go to simplepinmedia.com slash 86. We'll have all the information there and you can find out more information about how to work with Simple Pin and how to just subscribe to the podcast too. We've got tons of other episodes So again, go to simplepinmedia.com slash 86. Thanks so much, Tina, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.